Welcome to the Vacation Impossible podcast. Today is Saturday, October 20th. 20th. Yes, it is. <laughs> and we are in Portland. We finally figured out a way to actually record a podcast when we're here at Portland Retro Gaming Expo. It's amazing. It only took like a couple of years. It's what, like the third year? Fourth, I think. Yeah, fourth year coming to yeah. the expo, but the third year since we started the podcast. Right. So I guess third time's the charm. So suffice to say, we're in Portland. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we're staying at this nice, uh, this is a Hampton Inn yep. uh, in Hillsboro, and it's been absolutely fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. They upgraded us to a King Suite, which was nice uh, for free. So uh, always appreciate a nice free upgrade. Always. What do you think of the trip so far? Uh, it's been pretty nice, very relaxing. Uh, we ran into a friend, which was nice, uh, actually at the expo. Um, and then I actually got to meet uh, a longtime internet friend of mine. Shout out to Jess. Hi, about Jess? Uh, so that was pretty cool. And uh, I got to watch the Tetris, some of the Tetris World Championship so far today. So that's kind of, that's what I'm here for. And uh, everything else is just gravy. What about you? Yeah, no, it's been a great trip. Uh, we've had a lot of really good food yes. on this trip. It started off with the Taco Bell in Bellingham. Yes. For anyone who prepares food in a fast food restaurant place, uh, when you put the effort in, it's noticed. And Absolutely. when you don't, it's also often noticed. Absolutely. But uh, at this place, they really put the effort in. It was some of the best Taco Bell I've ever had. People like to crap on Taco Bell, I think, because it gives them the craps. Because but that's it, somebody yeah. else's problem. <laughs> that's because Taco Bell craps on them. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that can happen. But uh, by and large, I, I really enjoy Taco Bell. And so uh, this one, you know, it, it took them a little bit longer to make the food. But clearly, they were putting some some effort into it. And it, it, it makes a difference. And so I really appreciated that. And the guy at the till was really nice, too. Yeah, absolutely. It was, really it was last night we went to the old Chicago restaurant. Yes, that was on recommendation of Jess. Uh, that was a very good recommendation. I highly recommend you go to it. Yeah, they had. I had the uh, Hawaiian pizza, which had um, sweet Thai chili sauce, pepper something. something yeah. uh, and it was great. I enjoyed it quite a bit. And I had the Chicago, not a Chicago style pizza, but a Chicago flavor pizza. And so I guess in Canada we would call it like a deluxe. So sausage and green peppers and all that sort of stuff yeah so anyways if you're in the portland area we do actually really recommend checking them out today we just got back from red lobster <laughs> uh, we tried going to an olive garden but whenever there's a lineup outside of the olive garden you know you're probably looking at like an hour long wait oh that would that looked like an hour and a half long lineup that was brutal yeah and so we we drove another like 10 minutes south to the red lobster where it was like a half hour wait and the service and the food was amazing and they still had uh, endless shrimp going on. And oh, by the way, this podcast isn't sponsored by anybody. So we just had some good experiences we want to share with you. The food was amazing. We were surprised it was still endless shrimp. Normally that's yeah. around September, but here we are late October and it was still on. And so that was a very pleasant surprise. And we overate and that's just what you do with endless shrimp. Absolutely. I'm not going to lie, I was low-key hoping it was going to be busy too. So we'd have an opportunity to try uh, Benihana. Um, I've never had Benihana. I hear it's really cool. I've seen the videos. Uh, so I thought it'd be cool to check it out. Uh, let me know if any of you guys have tried it and what you think of it. Uh, we, uh, we're not big onion fans, and I know there's that, that onion tower thing. So see if that's, is that like an avoidable thing or is that part of the show? Let me know. Yeah, yeah, and just sort of what, yeah, the kind of cuisine that it is. Uh, I'm not a big fan of things that are spicy, generally speaking. So like, you know, uh, is, is it something that, uh, that's something you gotta watch out for? Um, I imagine not because it's, uh, you said that it's sort of Hawaiian in origin i think yeah if i recall correctly it was started by a guy named benihana in hawaii and uh, so i think it's like this hawaiian chinese fusion type restaurant but i again i'm really we don't have that in canada um and i've this is the first time i've ever actually seen a benihana restaurant in the wild <laughs> so <laughs> we drove uh, by it on the way to the red lobster yeah so yeah it was uh so yeah i'm curious about that because you know i, I did enjoy some of the food we had in hawaii when we were there oh and... yeah fried rice in hawaii oh lord have mercy yeah i love pineapple i love rice so it was a great combination so uh, if it's anything like that then yeah i'd definitely be willing to give it a try but uh i also kind of like my my usual stuff and, and red lobster is pretty great nothing wrong with having a part in this storm yeah so uh, just some things that are uh, planned for the future uh, trips. We have uh, Sam and I are going to our annual Ensenada four-day cruise in December. And then next December, December 2019, mm-hmm. we have booked on the Carnival Panorama. It is going to be her second ever sailing, her first ever sailing that's going to take her to Mazatlan, Puerto Vallarta, and Cabo San Lucas. 
So, so to be clear, the first sailing will go to Ensenada, and that's it. It's a three-day? It's day, a three-day. And the cost on that three-day wasn't reasonable for it's us. insane. And, I mean, yeah, okay, it's going to be the inaugural sailing, yeah. sure, and so that probably has a premium on it. Uh, I don't think LA's ever had a ship of that size from the Carnival fleet ported there, so I can understand all of those reasons, but it just it's doesn't like a, make sense for us. Yeah, it's like $150 per diem for an interior cabin, so it, it's pretty insane. Yeah, and also, as far as I'm concerned, let somebody else be the guinea pig on the first shakedown cruise and we'll go in for the second one where it's the nice seven day uh i think that'll Absolutely. be that'll be great so we're uh we're going to be filming uh tons of stuff on that trip so if there's something about the panorama that you want to see we've booked a kind of cabin we've never stayed in before yeah we have the family harbor this time around so mm -hmm. and that gives us exclusive access to certain parts of the ship so that'll be really neat um we're thinking about maybe getting a social package uh so we have some wi-fi so maybe we could kind of keep you guys up to date like live up to date uh updates <laughs> yeah i mean the strength of the carnival wi-fi probably wouldn't allow for live streaming but maybe no. we could get some instagram pictures up or something that yeah. would probably work uh we'll see we'll see what comes it's over a year away so we've got a lot of time to figure it out Absolutely. but if there's particular things that you want to see about the panorama let us know you can email us team at vacationimpossible.ca reach out to us on twitter at vacayimpossible we got our facebook page all sorts of things you can find us all over mm -hmm. so if there's specific things you want to see uh, especially if you're considering booking on the panorama we'd be happy to show you sort of that first look uh, but we're going to try and record as much as possible while we're there yeah. to, to to sort of get the word out on that on that ship. Uh, and the kind of uh, cabin we're in, I think, is unique to the Vista class. Yes, yes, I believe so, it is. And we've never been on a Vista class before. So this is going to be uh, a lot of firsts for us. Yeah. We're very excited about that. And we're also looking at getting a pretty diverse group of people coming along with us. Yes. Some people you haven't seen before. So stay tuned. That's very exciting. And some more people apparently might be coming. So we'll see what the final team uh, lineup will be. Yeah, yeah. We're hoping to get... Uh, you know, uh, there's the possibility of Burton coming back on the show. It only took five years, possibly, to get him to make his second appearance. <laughs> yeah, I'm starting to get uh, a bit of a complex. I feel like he's avoiding me on these cruises. Yeah, so, you know, Burton, come on, get it together, man. We, are, we, we miss you. <laughs> <laughs> there have been some recent studies that came up that have reconfirmed things we already knew about vacations. But basically, uh, a recent study showed that taking regular vacations, or irregular ones, but taking a vacation can improve your problem-solving skills and your impulse control both before and after the trip. So if you've got an employer that doesn't believe in vacations and you have a you have a job that involves problem solving of any kind and again I don't care if you're you know if you're working in a fast food restaurant there are problems to solve. Absolutely. Uh, so vacations I've worked in fast food restaurants. I know there are definitely problems to solve. Yeah, and so vacations make your problem solving both more efficient and more creative. Mm -hmm. uh, and so they now have uh, basically done studies that show this scientifically. And as well uh, it improves your impulse control. So, uh, you know, hey, you want to stick to that new diet, believe it or not, a vacation could help you. So, Is it because you get it all out of your system while you're on vacation? I think that might be part of it. Um, I think that, and I'm speculating here because I haven't read the full thing. I read a summary in an, an article uh, mm -hmm. online about it. But I think part of it is that um, I think as people, we work hard or we solve problems or we do whatever. And uh, there's a sense of like, maybe I've earned something. I've earned mm -hmm. a reward. I've earned a break. Uh, something like that. And that's an absolutely fine thing to feel. And so a vacation is very much that. Mm -hmm. And so if you are planning a vacation, then, you know, you don't necessarily need to reward yourself with the cheesecake or, you know, I don't know, the, the, the binge watching on Netflix or whatever it is that you might want to do, which I mean, those things aren't necessarily wrong. I'm going to do that anyways. Uh, yeah, that as well. But, um... Yeah, they, it, it, it improves the impulse control. Uh, so you're making probably more conscious decisions about those things. And so, you know what? All right, maybe I, maybe I do deserve something, uh, but maybe I'll make a slightly better choice. Maybe I'll go have a smoothie instead of a chocolate bar or something like that, perhaps. Mm, okay. Um, but, uh, and I mean, I, I've said, and like I, I, I quote Stephen Merchant, he says, travel broadens the mind. Absolutely. And I agree with that. And that broadening, I think, can it help people make better choices because they've been exposed to more ideas. Uh, and things like that and and you get a fresh perspective you know you can be on vacation a couple of days into vacation suddenly that problem that's been at the back of your mind you can think of when mm -hmm. you're you know you might come up with a solution when you're focused on something else or you're just finally able to fully relax whether it's get, taking that extra hot shower at the hotel or yeah. you know lying on the the you know your your lounge chair on your balcony on a cruise ship or something yeah. um, and then things kind of come more naturally well, it definitely does broaden the mind in that you, you know, there's no way you can't be exposed to different cultures, it's particularly on cruise ships, I find, because while you're, you're still kind of, 
you know, in America or whatever, when you're cruising, you are with the, you know, the, your cabin stewards and your servers and all the crew people are generally people who are from, you know, far reaches of like, you know, Southeast Asia and Eastern Europe and all that sort of stuff. Um, and so I know, like I'm following John Heald, uh, who's a carnival spokesperson on Facebook. And there's a lot of people that talk about, you know, there's some, there's still some close-minded people, but there are a lot of people now that talk about, you know, Malaysian cultures and Indonesian cultures and stuff like that, that I guarantee you 20 years ago before they started cruising, they would never have thought about, let alone you. Yeah. And, and, and even in the guests, you, you encounter so many people. Uh, when we went on the Sunshine in 2015 with my mom, uh, I remember that she had been waiting in line at Lido or something somewhere else. Uh, and so she got in or to, to go see one of the Vegas style shows on the ship. Yeah. And she got in chatting with uh, somebody from Russia. Yeah. And in her life, she'd never spoken to a Russian person before. And she was so excited to tell us about yeah. this Russian woman that she made friends with a Russian woman. It was, uh, and I mean, just seeing her eyes light up and her being all excited about that. It was, it's fantastic. And so it exposes you to that sort of thing to see that, you know, people uh, from cultures that you might not organically encounter. It, it adds a third dimension sometimes to see that they're real sure. people. They're not caricatures. It's not Boris and Natasha, uh, you yeah. know, running around. Not all Russians are that. I'm not saying that there aren't some out there, possibly, but uh, you know, it gets you a, a different perspective on that, and it, mm -hmm. and it deepens sort of that understanding and appreciation, and that's really quite fantastic. Um, well, there's it, that time that you sat with the the war vets, right? That was amazing. Yeah, I, I had a video about that where I was talking about dress code and dining on your own, but it was the twenty four dollar cruise where I was by myself. And so I went to the main dining room, MDR, and I volunteered to be seated with strangers because eating by myself sounded kind of sad and lonely. And I didn't want to sit there for, you know, however long just thinking about how sad and lonely I looked. So I'm like, oh, you know, what? I'll go meet some new people. Uh, you know, I could just sit there quietly if we don't get along. It'll be fine. Mm -hmm. And there was someone who had uh, worked, I believe, in World War II on the assembly line of a particular kind of uh, uh, aircraft, a bomber. And there was a pilot who had flown that same that's, bomber that's on bombing runs in World War II. I think it was World War II. Uh -huh. And so one of the things they talked about is the crawl space to get to the bomb bay to drop the bombs. And they said that that was like, it was basically someone had to be on their back wiggling their way down. Do and there, nope. was no, there was no mechanism to do that. And so what, they, what the pilots had done is they basically got like a board and put casters on it. Mm -hmm. And then they attached a, a rope through that line so they could lie down and then just hand over hand pull themselves That's down ingenious. to the bomb bay. And so he was telling them, uh, he was telling a guy who had worked on the assembly plant, and the guy at the assembly plant says, we brought that idea forward and they didn't implement it uh, until like another year later or something. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so they were able to commiserate because, and, and that's one of those things about deepening your understanding of somebody and seeing them as a th three-dimensional person mm -hmm. is the, the, the pilot had thought that, oh, those fools in the factory don't care about us, when that wasn't the case at all. Yeah. And so not only was this amazing coincidence and this fascinating story from, you know, these these uh, sort of older experienced people, um, but the fact that in that moment, you know, and, and they have so many decades of experience behind them in their lives, yeah. that they were able to uh, see each other differently uh, through that conversation. And that sort of thing is amazing. That's really cool. Uh, and, you know, it's funny because one of the things we sometimes joke about is we do hear the same questions over and over. Mm -hmm. We hear the same conversations. You know, we, we might notice when someone's a blue card on Carnival and, uh, you know. Sticker uh, a little bit, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And um, but sometimes it's really quite charming as well. And it's funny. One of the things we laugh at is when people uh, use the phrase vacation of a lifetime, because for us, that's that's pretty funny because like we're going to the we're going to the Cayman Islands for like the sixth time. And someone's like, this is a vacation of a lifetime. And I'm like, it's only a five day. Uh, <laughs> Um, but, you know, we, we don't, you know, do that to their face or anything. We kind of chuckle about it because that's part of how we appreciate how, how blessed we've been. It gives us an opportunity to check our privilege, really, I think. Yeah, a little uh, yeah, a little bit of that. But it is kind of funny in the moment. And it's also interesting because how many times have you been sitting in MDR or on Lido and you hear the question, how long is your contract? Have you heard that one a lot? Yeah. Yeah, I hear yeah. it all the time. And so... There's a couple ways you could choose to react to that. You could be like, oh, God, they're asking this stupid question again. Uh, but I like, I, I kind of like listening in on that a little bit, eavesdropping mm -hmm. a little bit, because it's always about, they never, they talk, oh, you know, it's a six to nine month contract. I used to be on this ship. I'm not sure, you know. Oh, and then they start saying, like, how long do you get to spend with your family? And that's when they start talking more about, like, their culture uh, back home, wherever yeah, they're yeah, from, yeah. and sort of what it's like to work on the cruise ship versus that. Do they send money home? What's it like being gone for your family for an extended period, but then you're home for three months with no work at all? Yeah. And so it's, uh, I, I actually kind of uh, I like that repeated question. And I have yet to see the staff be frustrated with anyone who asks that. They're always, yeah. uh, maybe they're just being polite. 
Perhaps. But I mean, people people like kind of talking about themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and the fact that they're acknowledging that this is a human being rather than just a, a walking thing coming to clean up your table. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that that's sort of uh, appreciated. And uh, yeah, so th- those are just some of the, the many, many benefits of travel. In particular, on a, on a Carnival Cruise, for example, this, you get uh, such diverse uh, people. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've sat at tables with like um, dining with strangers. I've had like a, a, a nurse, a stewardess, uh, somebody who worked on death row, wow. uh, all on one table. Uh, you know, a Korean War vet, uh, whatever. That did not end well for Sam. Oh, uh, well, yeah, yeah. That was on the excursion when he went shot for shot with the Korean War vet. Guess uh, who won? Yeah, yeah. Sam never stood a chance. But, you know, I suppose credit to him for trying. I mean, he, you know, he made himself pretty sick with all that tequila. But, um, <laughs> But again, that's the thing. You know, it was this 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 Korean War vet from, um, I think Arizona, uh-huh. and 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 here's Sam. You know, this, this this guy from Vancouver, and they're just having a grand old time, doing shots, telling jokes, yeah. telling, sharing stories and stuff, and they're getting to connect in a way that uh, I don't think would organically happen if you didn't travel. Uh, and so that's a great story to tell, even if it did come at a bit of a cost. I made sure to tip the steward after they cleaned up Sam's vomit. So yes. I did my part. Yes. <laughs> Other than that, I hid on the balcony when Sam was sick because that smelled. It's always, always I'm a good to the steward where there's a protein spill. <laughs> what makes a good comedian, and who is your favorite carnival comedian? So I really like Tommy Drake. Um, he has a big variety of stuff, um, and his, his family-friendly... Uh, routine is is perhaps even funnier than his uh, you know, adult friendly routine um, and uh, I also really like Jolene Bishop she was probably one of my favorites uh, Gina Brion uh, I loved her but she's not coming back and I don't know why and I'm very sad um, didn't uh, she get like a show or a Netflix she something? did have a show for a little bit but the, the show got cancelled and so um, but apparently there's some there's a little bit of drama there I'm not totally sure what the deal is there oh my I, remember I asked her in her live stream once and she's like yeah I can't get into that story oh it's, my I think I think there were some hurt feelings I, again I don't know I'm speculating she was the one that you saw at karaoke right she's yeah. in our video oh yeah where she was she's so great she was like yeah we, we that was on our dream cruise and yeah. she was on uh, she did karaoke with us and Tommy Drake was on that one as well and I think even uh Jolie uh, Bishop. Yeah, I think that was yeah. a that we was an embarrassment great... of comedic riches on yeah. that sailing. Absolutely. Um, and the what I think doesn't make a good comedian. I don't necessarily mind when comedians recycle jokes. Um, I know that's a, uh, something that Ray doesn't care for. Um, if you put your own spin on it, because really, in a sense, all the jokes are recycled jokes. All jokes are stolen jokes uh, to a certain degree. But when you're if you're using the exact same pattern, if you're using you know this like the exact same setup, and you know and punchline and then it's not so great i'm kind of over the boob jokes i mean I give, uh, there there are some funny ones yes they, they do still exist but i mean I th- i've seen one too many comedians talk about how they like the size of women's boobs and how or they, butts or, or whatever, whatever. It just, it's, it's it just a, played out it's just it's not original it's, it's, it's been well explored yeah, I don't know that there are a lot of crevices of additional comedy to be found in that particular subject. Yeah, it, it, it's lazy comedy, and I think a good comedian can do family-friendly mm-hmm. comedy better than uh, the R-rated stuff. Um, like I think sometimes they don't feel like they're stretched as much. I think sometimes also when it's the adult show, they feel the pressure to be lewd. Yeah, uh, and and so I've I've seen comedians who. They say, like, you know, my our, my adults-only show could probably be performed in front of children. I just don't have to watch myself if I happen to talk to someone in the guest or I, I kind of get off topic. Mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about straying into unfamiliar waters. But I've actually seen a couple comedians that get up and they, and they start off by saying, like, look, if you're expecting me to get up here and swear and, and talk about sex for the next hour, you're actually kind of at the wrong show. Yeah, yeah. But I hope you stay with me, but it, it's it's not that's not necessarily what we're going to be talking about. And so I think that there's a pressure on both sides that it's, like, to go towards the extreme yeah uh and yeah, I agree. and and some comedians who operate exclusively in that space and then they are forced to the contract to do a family-friendly show or vice versa they they often struggle and it's and it's hard to watch yeah it's um yeah like i mean i can't imagine that as amazing as a comedian as george carlin was rest in peace i think him doing a family-friendly show well maybe not necessarily him actually no i think he could do it andrew Dice clay 
Andrew Dice Clay is someone who probably could not do a family-friendly show. I'm not sure and, he can do any kind of show. Well, there's that. <laughs> um, but, you know, but there's a lot of people... No, okay, okay, I wouldn't say a lot, but there definitely are a, a, a noticeable amount of comedians that come onto Carnival that emulate Andrew Dice Clay. Maybe a little too much. Really? Um, I haven't seen that many. I think there's like one or two where I'm like, this isn't funny. Like, it, it's... I've, but I, I've encountered a piano bar performer or two. Oh, good lord. <laughs> then it might fall, fall oh, under Go away, category. piano bar. Um, <laughs> the one thing I will ask, though, of, of people is just because you don't find it funny doesn't mean it's not funny. It's just not funny to you. Um, and so, and I kind of fell into that trap, especially when they're talking making jokes that are maybe socially sensitive. Um, and I kind of nicely phrased, (laughs) um, (laughs) you you know, and for a while I kind of fell into that social justice warrior trap where I was like, you know, they're, you know, they'll make like a joke about sexual harassment, say for instance, especially in this current culture, it'd be really easy for people to go off. That's not funny. And then they complain and then they, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's, and it's, it's what I would ask is that just take a minute to say, to acknowledge that you don't find it funny and you find it offensive and that's fine for you. And you can, you know, just tune that bit out, you know, politely, quietly leave. So you're not disrupting the rest of the show. Um, but don't make a federal case over it. Um, don't go yelling at John Heald. He's not the one that books them. Uh, he doesn't write their material. He doesn't pre-approve it. Um, <laughs> and and also don't try to censor comedy. Uh, it really, it really concerns me right now how much people try to censor comedy. Uh, comedy is important, especially in this day and age where things are are you know where we're in these very kind of again socially sensitive topics that we're talking about a lot more now, which is great. But comedy allows us to talk about that and also allows us to heal in certain ways uh, collectively and individually. Um, and that's why you know we needed we need we needed comics like George Carlin, you know, post uh, Vietnam War and and post you know the Cold War, and why we need comics like Dave Chappelle currently, um, because they can they have the the fortitude I suppose to kind of the bravery the bravery the fortitude to say to kind of make the joke not so that we can laugh at everything that's happening but so that we can kind of check ourselves a little bit and 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 maybe try to find a way to heal through that laughter so yeah. well and how wonderful would it be if comedy was the one place where we all come out of our separate camps to be together yes and and laugh and i can understand and appreciate if there's a topic that makes you uncomfortable if it bring if it evokes painful memories uh or a struggle that you're going uh that you're going through right now that is hard for you or something like that if it's if it's triggering in some way i can appreciate how you know you want to self-select out of that oh, absolutely. and so and so leaving on those grounds you know without making a fuss is is absolutely understandable 100 percent, absolutely but when it gets to the point of you can't talk about x like at all that's problematic and also sometimes uh tagging the comedian the, uh the that they believe everything that they're saying when it's a bit it's an act it's a performance absolutely. for example if i were to dress up like a mime and pretend to mime picking my nose i am not the advocate of nose picking no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that this is right or proper. In fact, I'm putting it up there to be laughed at and mocked. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes uh, that that gets problematic. So if someone, if a comedian gets up there and they, they try to establish a premise for a joke, mm-hmm. and it could be something like, I know this super racist guy who says things like X. That's not saying I say or I believe that. They're setting up a caricature. Then then something hopefully comedic will happen to that person. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and it might be good. It might be bad. It might be that you know maybe the racism leads them to say just the right thing at just the right time. Yeah. And the juxtaposition of that because you wouldn't expect it. Yeah, yeah. Would be hilarious. I don't know. Uh, and so I think that uh, yeah, the, the, we need to understand that it's art and it's not. It it's not an essay. It's not a manifesto. It's not a political speech. Uh, and like all art, like all food, there's going to be different tastes. Mm-hmm. I don't like onions. I love the smell. I hate the taste. Um, but that does that doesn't mean that they're inherently bad. And I can't go around telling other people don't have onions. Yes, exactly. And just say, please tell me if there's onions in this. I would like to know. So th- you know that's that's a big thing for me. You mentioned stolen jokes. Yeah, it depends. Uh, and and of course, yeah. There's how do you define stolen? Is hard. Like yes. if we're to talk sitcoms, almost every sitcom at one point or another, intentionally or not, is borrowing from like the honeymooners. And yeah. the honeymooners is probably borrowing further back. It's probably bo- borrowing from vaudeville or Shakespeare or something else. Oh, yeah, if you go far enough back. So there's obviously themes, and there's certain 
things and I think situations true to the human condition that we can revisit in modern times mm -hmm. because, you know, uh, what would it have been like if Archie Bunker had been on Twitter? I could only imagine. <laughs> uh, and so... It's not Trump. <laughs> yeah, maybe he's on. Maybe Archie Bunker's uh, on it now. But um, but that's a funny juxtaposition. Even though that's a character caricature that mm -hmm. might not be known for having the most you know widely accepted uh, views. Nope. But that to me sounds like it's a funny premise. That's an yeah. interesting idea. Uh, and so that you know, there's there's stolen jokes where you basically deliver it line for line. Your pattern might be different. Your 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 expression, your your physicality, um, maybe your personal uh, mm -hmm. characteristics could be different. But if if it's basically the same joke, then I I, I don't like that. Um, mm -hmm. But I mean, I'm not necessarily going to get up in protest over it. That's that's a whole separate issue, and that's for that's for them to to figure out. Because if a comedian is very clearly identified as having stolen a joke. Um, that can be career ending. Now, I understand that there's a couple comedians out there who have made a career out of stealing jokes and they haven't been held to account. That's a separate issue. Mm -hmm. But by and large, I mean, it's like accusing a writer of plagiarism uh, or, you know, somebody else. of it, there, there's, a, there's a stench of it that they can't wash clean almost. It's, uh, no, absolutely. Uh, and, and so I think there, there is an accountability to be found in that that's not for us to, to, to lay on to them. Um, but uh, for me, when I'm thinking about what makes a bad comedian... I go back to an episode of Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip where uh, D.L. Hewley's character wants to bring on a new writer right. onto the show. Yes, yes, yes. And so he and Matthew Perry's character go to uh, a comedy club and they see someone uh, whose character name is Willie Wills. And he does a lot of those sorts of jokes that you're talking about where yeah. he, him just going up there and joking about not being able to pay his bills or by having you know too many illegitimate children or things of that nature. Um, and it is very lazy, repetitive comedy. And you can predict. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. Comedy is always less funny the second time around. And almost every single time. Mm -hmm. Unless you're doing like a riff, like you know, you're following the rule of three, uh, things like that. And for aspiring comedians or anyone really, if you don't know the rule of three, here it is. You can make the same joke in a way, three different times. The first time it's funny because it's funny. The second time the audience enjoys it because they recognize it. The third time the audience loves it because they anticipate it and then they get the payoff and they feel like yeah. they're in on the joke and you are done. You can't go beyond three unless you do something radically different with it, like bring it back a year later or put a completely different twist on like it. Like break the fourth wall or something. Yeah, like that. you got to be really creative to go for that fourth one. Yeah. But that's about it. I mean, you can have running gags, like on a podcast, you might have a recurring you know, theme or a joke about yeah. something. Uh, that's, that's different, but not enough people appreciate that. And so that's one of the things I think that makes bad comedy is they keep like hitting the same note repeatedly yeah and it's like with any sort of uh performance art writing storytelling of any kind comedian comedy is that um you need to give people different things to feel because if you're just scaring them non-stop in a horror film then they never take a breath they never relax and the next thing's not going to scare them and you get diminishing returns yeah. but if you've been scared for a couple of minutes then you see a guy trip and fall on a banana peel which apparently doesn't happen scientifically <laughs> uh, uh, but it gives you something to chuckle about you relax and then the next scare comes along and so it, it has an impact because you're getting diverse things mm -hmm. so uh you know those sorts of things are all really really important uh now that having having said that comedy is less funny the second time around tommy drake I've seen his act three times, his, his Carnival act three times, because I've had that good fortune on cruise ships. Yeah, and you're it, lucky. It, I mean, maybe it's just me. Uh, it doesn't get old. There's a performer in Vancouver that uh, is always at the Pacific National Exhibition. It's the annual fair. His name is Checkerboard Guy. And he's great. I've seen his act dozens of times and I still I still appreciate it I pr appreciate the professionalism yeah. the audience interaction every time it's a little bit different um, but some people there's real rewatchability but that having been said for me I think it's really the person though less so the actor it's more so the person yeah because respect Drake the work ethic. and checkerboard guy they have very similar um, personas and very similar kind of personalities and I think that's why they have that rewatchability they're a little bit like a Harry Anderson type personality he's a little self-deprecating uh, self-aware exactly and so I think that's what makes them rewatchable and it could be the exact same bit over and over and over again and it doesn't matter same with like George Carlin like I could watch his routines 30 times over mm -hmm. and I'm gonna laugh every single time even though I know exactly word for word what the joke's going to be mm-hmm 
Uh, and so all of that having been said, for me, the hallmark of a good comedian is the surprise laugh. Absolutely. Where it's halfway out your mouth and you didn't even realize you're laughing because the, it, the comedy just comes out of left field. You don't see it coming. And it's like, I just laughed out loud so much louder than I should have. That was Whoops. almost embarrassing. It's like, yeah. oh, put that back in my mouth. Um, but it's when they surprise you, I think, is is that's, that's really it. Because then it's hard to say that it's stolen or that it's derivative or that yeah. it's familiar. It's a real fresh take on something. And it's not necessarily the newness, the unexpectedness of it, because it also has to be funny and hilarious mm. on its own merit. But when you can combine those two things, that's when you've got something really special. I think that's part of why I really uh, like improv quite a bit, is because it has to And be. I think that's why I really like uh, Drake and Checkerboard Guy as getting examples, because they're really good at the ask for. Um, they ask for the laugh in a really unique way, um, where, um, or I guess ask for the butter is kind of the, the shorthand that Ray and I use. It's a and... Studio 60 reference where they were talking about um, the show is about like a Saturday Night Live type show. It's a, uh, and so it's sort of a meta show. And so they were giving notes on a scene and they said, you know, at the dress rehearsal, I didn't get a laugh, but at the live performance I did. What did I do different? Uh, and they said, well, the first time you asked for the laugh, the second time you asked for the butter and asking for the butter was the punchline of the scene. And so that's one of the things about comedy and acting generally is the little stuff matters so much. Mm -hmm. If you're telling me a story where, you know, you can't um, remember a phone number, a phone number is actually a really good example because a phone number has... 10 digits, yeah. right? Everybody knows that. It's common. So if you're saying that... In North America. Yeah, in North America. <laughs> but like, uh, if you're an actor and you're you know, pretending to dial a phone and you don't press 10 digits, people notice. Or like when you're typing on a keyboard on the screen and you're not using the space bar. The space bar, yeah. That's, always, that's how you know fake typing is they never hit space because mm -hmm. it doesn't occur to them when they're faking it. But if you're real and in the moment, hopefully you'd actually be typing something out you know, somewhat just to be more authentic. And that authenticity really adds to the effectiveness of the comedy and the performance. Mm -hmm. And so like one of the funny things is you can also play with that. So like Stephen Colbert, for example, who does excellent object work. Oh, he's amazing. Um, but uh, like he'll often, if he's pretending to type, he'll make a joke of it. So he'll have his hands going up ridiculously. <laughs> he'll start hitting it with his elbow, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. because you're, you either acknowledge... Think he uses face one time. You acknowledge the ridiculousness of it or do it as accurately as possible. Mm -hmm. So for example, if I'm telling you a story about, you know, my friend Sam, mm -hmm. and, you know, and, and suddenly I, you know, say that, oh, you know, Sam, whatever, whatever, and then I get the name wrong. Mm -hmm. you know uh, and then I say oh you know my friend Smith or something that's going to take somebody out of the moment they're going to be like wait a minute who are you talking about I can't I can't yeah. follow this story anymore or something like that if there's an inconsistency and so that can become really problematic as well mm -hmm. uh, so um, they got to get all those little details right you know it's like uh, you know, uh, there was this one comedian he kept saying oh, I'll tell you the Target story and he teased it for like right. two days <laughs> he eventually did tell it but if he had gone up there and he's just like okay so I'm in Target and you know how Kmart is is, blah 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 and we're like whoa hold on are you comparing it to Kmart or did you just forget what store your story takes place in now it feels artificial you clearly made this up you know the, and and it, it's okay to make that stuff up but you gotta have internal consistency or else it takes us out of the joke mm -hmm. and we suddenly become really aware of you want me to laugh yeah and and then it's then it's like oh this is like a give and take and it's like you know, it's not authentic and you're not going to get that surprise laugh. Whereas if they if they put the effort into doing the little things right, mm -hmm. that can make a really, a really big difference, I think. And uh, and, that, and that sort of thing. It respects the audience, too. Yeah. Uh, and, and their intelligence. So uh, things like that. So one of the things is like, if I'm if I say a punchline and then I look right into the camera as yeah, yeah. I like, eh? <laughs> sometimes that can be funny if I'm doing it over the top I'm breaking the fourth wall. Yeah. But if you do that all the time or if it's not appropriate to the joke, uh, or it's just the way I deliver, is you know if, if I'm like winking while I'm doing it, it it it, it ruins the straight man persona of yeah. like you know the person who doesn't know he's being punked for example or what's going on so for example go way back to classic comedy we want to talk who's on first yeah so if they're winking at the audience while they're doing this the whole it thing totally would fall bit. apart because the idea is that the... they don't understand each other if one of them's winking at the audience then suddenly he's playing a, a joke on the other guy yeah, yeah you know and so he's kind of villainous and you don't want you don't like him anymore but if he's sincerely trying to explain who is on his baseball team mm -hmm. and the other guy's struggling to get it, 
because these names are unusual, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but well, it, it, you know, if if they're just clearly like <laughs> after every line, uh, that would be inauthentic. It would kill the patter and the pacing. Uh, and that I think is one of the mistakes that people in comedy can make. Well, even like with like the Monty Python bit where he's like wink, 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 nudge, nudge, say no more, say no more. Like it's they're asking for the joke, they're asking for the laugh, but they're doing that with the person that they're interacting with. And so it's, I don't know if you know that bit. No, I know the bit. I would disagree with your interpretation because that isn't him speaking to the audience. That's him speaking to the other person. But it, and it he's, is, but he's it, lewd but and the other person's not comfortable with it. But it, it, it but it's both, right? It can and, be. And so, uh, or even like, you know, the dead parrot bit and all that sort of stuff. Like they, they, you know, and, and with the dead parrot thing, if they acknowledge the audience, then that completely kills the bit. Um, but, you know, with the wink, wink, nudge, nudge, that could be an opportunity for them to, you know, acknowledge the audience. But again, though, it would kill the bit, even though it's almost written as if you should do that. Um, there, there's a few, like Jordan, uh, Jordan Peele and Michael Keaton, Mike, oh, Michael Keaton, Key, what's his name? Key and Peele. Let's Keen, just call him Key and Peele. Anyways, uh, they're they. I think they're kind of the new version of you know the the Abbott Costello and the Monty Python. I think they were well while they had their show. I think they were the new guys for that, and they. I mean, they were clearly students of the art, um, and the student and students of sketch comedy. Um, I'm I'm you know I didn't discover them until after the show had ended, unfortunately. But I still they, need to give them a chance. I haven't really watched any of their work. But they ha- but they have a lot of bits where they really could, you know. That again, it's set up so that you could kind of go, ha ha ha, see what I'm doing? I'm really funny. But, and sometimes it would be totally perfect, and that would just totally just, just make the joke that much better. And then, and that they do it when that's the case. And then there's other situations where they could probably get away with it, but if it's better that they didn't. Yeah, it can yeah. take it can take away from the joke if the joke is in a sincere place. Mm-hmm. I think one of the, the the recent forms of entertainment that does the fourth wall breaking and getting the audience in on the joke very well is the Deadpool movies. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but the thing is, is you've got to be really good to do that effectively, and it has to be part of the joke. It has to be sparingly too. Yeah, and so some of those, like if you're not if the audience if the audience isn't in on it with you and you're not breaking the fourth wall, then it's not as funny because for, they're trying in, to figure out what that kind means. of joke. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, making fun of the producer of the movie you're in is only funny if people are brought in on it. But if I'm, you know, if somebody's got like a funny walk or something, I don't have to wink at the audience and they get that it's funny. It's almost remedial and insulting their intelligence at that point. Uh, So thank you for joining us on this comedy podcast where we we break down the key components of comedy. Uh, (laughs) So we got a little bit into an off topic there from from the whole travel thing. But really... It's a topic we, we really like. We talk about a lot. Well, and it's one of the great things about being on the cruise ship is the comedy shows are always free. Yes. The, the the only investment you need to put in is time. And again, go 15, 20 minutes early. Absolutely do that. Especially on the dream class where they fill up and, and some other, uh, the sunshine class as well. I, I believe and they have weird both. queuing in the dream class. So it goes through the piano to, bar. It's a bad layout. You have to go early and, and your whole party has to go early. Yeah. But it's free. So really catch every comedy show you can. And if for some reason you need to walk out, you can do so politely and then go hit Lido and get that ice cream or whatever you want to do instead. Mm-hmm. Hit the karaoke. But um, that's something that we enjoy. So like I'm, a, I'm getting ready to go on my 20th cruise. I see every comedy show I can on a cruise ship when I'm on it. Yes, so I mean, like, just do the math, you know, a minimum three shows, two comedians. So, you know, we're probably, I've probably seen like, Maybe upwards of like 200 comedy shows. Because also on, on a seven day, they swap out the comedians halfway yeah. through. So I, I would go back. But I've, I've definitely seen probably well over, and it, it's just hitting me at this moment, I've probably seen well over like 100 at least, if not double that, shows on ships. And shows, yes. Yeah. Oh, okay, I thought like, you were talking like, about no, comedy. individual comedians. I was no, like, not comedians. The no, no, act. Like, like shows. So like number of times yeah. my butt has been in the punchliner. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, and, there's yeah, two to three shows a day minimum. And and, and uh, it, it, I mean, it doesn't get old because there are so many different comedians. And well, and the audience sometimes is different too. And there's a lot of audience interaction. And so that definitely affects the show. Sometimes for the better, sometimes for not. Yeah. I find that's, that's some drunk of, idiot shouting out every 90 seconds uh, often does not go well for anybody. That's kind of why I'm not a huge, like I won't make a big effort for the family shows because the kids really want to be involved. That's fine. That's fantastic for them. But for me, it kind of takes away from the show sometimes. And so I just choose not to go to those particular shows because like I don't want to be there. 
for that particular thing. But they're having a great time. The uh, the rest, everyone else is fine with it. And so I'm not going to ruin everyone else's fun just because for me, I'm not loving it so much. Yeah, and, and it really depends. It depends on the comedian and the, and the children and mm-hmm. potentially their parents. parents and their ability to control, the, uh, to control the show. Yeah. So, uh... That's that's comedy at sea. Yeah. <laughs> this is like completely off topic in terms of our, our podcast, but we're just giant fans. Uh, we're really excited about the. Um, uh, we're, we're, I'm a giant Star Trek geek. In case mm-hmm. that hasn't come out, uh, and uh, Discovery season two is coming uh, on January seventeenth. Yeah, so that makes it seventeen oh one. Which yep, yep. if you're if you're a Star Trek nerd, you get why that's cool. And the fact that um, that uh, Patrick Stewart is coming back to do a new show, continuing his character of Picard. We're really excited about, um, and so if you hadn't heard about those two things, they are awesome, and check them out, and I just wanted to kind of mention that. And because... I need to come back, baby, between Picard and Murphy Brown and Magnum P.I. and was a MacGyver. Just tons of stuff, and I mean, it's, it's, it's been happening for a while. It's not a new development, um, but also that's one of the things that I like to do is I like to bring shows with me when I travel, and so... Mm-hmm. I, I, I bring like Star Trek Discovery with me on my Microsoft Surface and I'll watch that on the plane or, uh, you know, on the cruise ship or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. If I'm waiting for a plane, like, I, you know, I go to, if I go to the airport six hours before my flight, I don't care. I got plenty of stuff to keep myself entertained. Give me power and Wi-Fi and I'm fine. But uh, and I think certain shows like that uh, are, are great to watch when you travel. Yeah, see, I made the mistake of bringing this, the season two of This Is Us uh, on my last cruise, and then I realized that was a mistake. So I watched maybe two episodes, and I'm like, you know, I don't want to cry throughout <laughs> this entire cruise, so I'm just going to watch Criminal Minds, which I also brought, and uh, I think Black Panther. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, I definitely recommend bringing sh- shows um, take responsibility yeah. for your own entertainment, absolutely. particularly as it relates to air travel. Yes, absolutely. Uh, is is yeah, that's important. Bring headphones, please, for the love of oh, God. Please don't be that person. Um, I, the, the 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 number of people who are FaceTiming or watching things on their phones without headphones on, and it's just it's so irritating. It's that sound you can't quite make out. It's like uh, just turn it up or turn it down. Like let everybody watch or keep it to yourself. But this yeah. in between is, especially when there's more than one of them, this is just a formula for a headache. And that's the last thing you need when you travel. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, definitely be considerate. Uh, certainly like the stewardess and other people will definitely appreciate you more. Yeah. Uh, and so like, if there's an opportunity to get upgraded to an exit row or something, they're probably going to appreciate the person who is less obnoxious, takes more responsibility for themselves. Yeah. Uh, is less disruptive. These sorts of things are noticed and appreciated and you can reap benefits going forward if for no other reason people won't be staring daggers at you wishing for you to die yeah. like I and especially with, when you're with a group of people and like for me, for me yeah we, we all whip out our phones and look at them and kind of to the rest of your group out but somehow that's okay and that's times. fine but for, somehow i find it more rude when you're with like a group of people that you're traveling with and you start watching videos and they're everyone surrounding you and the, and and there's no headphones on and that bothers me a lot more i'm not really sure why there's any difference it's it's not you're still staring at the screen, and it, it just they're now you're staring at the screen with volume, and now it's like I really don't care what you have to say. In fact, I'm gonna like drown you out with this video, maybe. I don't, I don't know. It just it really, really, really bugs me. Um, well, I, mean, I, th- I, I mean, I think it's a much, it's a bigger level of disrespect. And actually, I mean, I don't want to get too political. One of one of my sort of beliefs is is that my rights end where yours begins. Yeah. And so them watching that video and ignoring you doesn't necessarily cost you anything. But when they have the sound on and now you can't hear the announcement about your flight or you can't hear the person you're talking to mm-hmm. or you or it's just giving you a headache. Yeah. This, this is coming at a, this is yeah. This is coming at a cost to you. Yeah. So this isn't this isn't like zero ignoring you, which isn't cost you or benefiting you at all now i'm actively taking your peaceful enjoyment away from you so it feels like i devalue you more because i'm taking something away from you without even so much as asking yeah yeah like if i'm in the same room as ray for instance um um and there's something that like quick little video that i want to watch i'll let him know hey by the way i'm gonna listen to this with volume is that okay but it's gonna be like a three minute video just watch real quick or grab a headphones um and but i'll you know basically just run it by him and say hey like do you mind or uh, if I'm at my folks, or like if I'm out with people, and I will say, "Hey, listen, do you mind if I just quickly just catch this real video?" Because for whatever reason, it can't wait until I'm in a situation <laughs> where I can just listen to it with my headphones on. Or, you know, just letting people know because suddenly the sound is coming out of an unexpected place so it can be a little jarring. Absolutely. Or like they're trying to track down where that sound is coming from or something. You know, those things, you know, it's a manners thing. One question we get a lot, and this is a tough one. Oh. What is your favorite port? 
well, I think for me, it's pretty obvious which one my favorite is. Uh, my favorite is Mahogany Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, because that brings me to Daniel Johnson's uh, Monkey and Sloth Hangout. Uh, we went on our cruise in June uh, because one of us was selling a birth- celebrating a birthday. It was me. Um, <laughs> uh, normally, we don't cruise in June because it is ridiculous hot and also mad expensive. Um, the best and- thing you can do to save money on vacation is don't travel when children are out of school. And mm-hmm. June, they are out of school. Yeah. So that that drives the cost up at step one. But uh, yeah, no. But the Mahogany Bay um, uh, port, I really like. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that you could do for free or very very low cost right off the port. Um, I haven't explored the beach at all yet uh, because I'm always doing an excursion. Uh, I've been there twice now. Uh, the first excursion I went to, where we, uh, my sister and I got to hang out with monkeys and parrots, and it was like the pirate excursion. Um, they kind of touched on the parrot, parrot thing for like 30 seconds and then it was hanging out with all these animals. And we have a um, video on YouTube of the, the, the monkey uh, excursion. Yeah, I got to have a, a selfie with the monkey, uh, with, the, with the mama monkey. That was pretty cool. Um, and uh, so I, I quite like that. And the people who live on uh, uh, Ilaroa Town, which is where Mahogany is, where Mahogany Bay is. It's the very, island off the coast of Honduras that's part of Honduras. They're very, very pr- proud of of their little island, and and I guess I guess Ilaroatan is uh, while it is part of Honduras, it's a very different part of Honduras. Uh, there's a lot of cultural. It's it's almost like they're the Quebecois of of they have, Honduras. They have they, they 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 have different accents. They have different accents. Yeah. Um. They're they're and so but they're very very knowledgeable. And so both times we've I've gone I've gone on a tour. Um. They I just learned all this amazing stuff about the island. Um. And this past time again we went to J- Daniel Johnson's uh, Monkey and Sloth Hangout. Um. And the animals are so 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 well cared for. They're all um re uh rescued animals. So none of them have been purchased. They're in wonderful. Um, like the sloths actually aren't really in cages. They all they are all in. Um, there's a mang- mangrove uh, trees or uh, yeah, just right out there, and they all just hang out there. Um, they're not you know confined, um, but they don't leave, um, and they don't breed them. They just let them if they're in if they want to mate, they mate, and that's the end of that. Well, he shares his house with them, doesn't he? He does like, share he, his house he, with them if they're <laughs> feeling if they're getting if it's getting a little too peopley for the sloths. They will be they come inside, um, and they have because they have like a three bedroom house, but they convert it to one or two of the bedrooms into like this sloth throne, therapy room. This, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the sloths are only allowed to come out for uh, a small amount of time throughout the day. Uh, I think like no more than three hours, and but and no more than an hour at a time, so that um, they're not overwhelmed. Exactly. And the um, there's like some monkeys, uh, the spider monkeys, where they're not very good at human interaction. They're not. They're not um, desensitized or what? I don't. Not sure. Acclimatized towards mm. human interaction, so they don't allow people in there. But they're they're in, uh, the cages, for lack of a better word, that they're in are enclosure enclosure. They're absolutely huge. They're cleaner than zoos uh, uh, I've been to. Like cleaner than parts of my house. <laughs> um, and um, they're tidy. And they're, and they're, and they're super. They're all well loved and well cared for. And and the people that work there are super super knowledgeable. Daniel Johnson himself is a bit of a, a local hero, from what I understand. There Literally was, now. There was a fire at Little French Key, which was a competing nearby uh, sort of animal area that you could mm-hmm. go to, and he ran over to help. And uh, he got burns on his hands yeah. uh, while helping to rescue the animals and try to protect the property. And so. let me know, like, some of the animals are there, like jaguars. I'm not sure if the jaguars were some of the animals he's rescuing, um, but I wouldn't want to find myself in that situation. And I've, I've talked to the guy. He's amazing. He's um, also sort of a small business icon mm-hmm. around there, too, because he's employed so many people yeah. uh, in, in the creation of this attraction. So, and he pays I mean, him, like, living wages, too. Like, he pays him yeah. really, really well. It's it's very ethical, which is which is quite nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other port I really like is Ensenada. Um, I know, Surprise. <laughs> I know if you've of... watched our Ensenada review, you know that, that she likes it quite a I'm, bit. I'm a huge fan. I, I... Most people don't think much of Ensenada, though. I know Sam is not a fan, despite going there repeatedly. So many times. Um, no. <laughs> Three times in a row last year. <laughs> back uh, to back to back. I, I think Ensenada is this cute little, you know, little beach property, hole-in-the-wall type village, I guess. It's, um, it's kind of bite-sized. It is so a little bite-sized. It's, it's not too intimidating in that in that regard. You, I mean, you can kind of, you know, stay this... The, uh, it's not super porty like you know with like um 
Cosmo, Grand Turk, all these other places, like you're just hit with Del Sol and Tanzanite. La la la. International. Like, Buy all these things, and there's huge. It's it's crazy. Um, and some people Bottle really like rum, that. The size of your children. Yeah, and, and some people <laughs> really like that. They they like the kind of the safety of it being kind of familiar. I like a little bit of that and too. That, and I don't buy that either. Although I often find myself not buying anything there, but <laughs> I do like it as sort of like an airlock into. It, it's kind know, of it slowly transitions culture. you, but with with Ensenada uh, you don't really get that. I mean, they do still have the towns and all that sort of stuff, but it's kind of sprinkled throughout the, the downtown the downtown area. area. Yeah. And so and so you get kind of you know if you want like an authentic feel. For Mexico, but you don't want to go to, you know, Mexico City and risk getting kidnapped. No offense. Um, you yeah. know, you can kind of get the the feel for what Mexico truly is mm-hmm. while still kind of being, still feeling safe. Because there are, I mean... You're within walking distance of the port. You're within walking ports, distance of the port. Across you're, their and, entire downtown core. And 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 they uh, there's Wi-Fi all along the seaboard. Um, they this have better Wi-Fi than most places in um, Canada, honestly. Um, and the convention have... center here in Portland, the mm-hmm. Wi-Fi. They've got a free Wi-Fi zone in the lobby, but after that, you go inside and it's like yeah. fifty bucks a day, some ridiculous cost. So, I mean, it's it's more civilized than that, I suppose yeah, you could say. And they have this comically Wi-Fi. huge <laughs> flag that just makes me giggle every time I think of it. It's I think like two hundred feet tall or something, and it's the size of several football fields. And you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it if it competes with. Well, no, it doesn't compete with the size of the uh, VAB, the uh, oh. vehicle assembly building flag, uh, in um, in Orlando. Uh, probably doesn't keep, compare keep to that. Uh, yeah, yeah, it doesn't compare to that in size, but it's probably the next biggest flag that you. If they say if they would say that's the next biggest flag in size. Our largest uh, that I wouldn't be surprised at all, but I, I like it's it. It's an attraction on its own, the flag, yeah. and apparently it's the birthplace of the margarita. So, woohoo! <laughs> as, as as a fan of fruity drinks, the girly drink drunk, as I like to say, which is a expression borrowed from kids in the hall. Full credit <laughs> for that joke. Um, <laughs> Speaking of silly jokes, yeah, uh, I enjoy the fruity drinks. For me, uh, my favorite port. Whenever I'm asked this. I always have to say uh, Nassau in the Bahamas simply because that's where Atlantis is located. Mm -hmm. So I'm not really saying what port on the whole I enjoy. This is really my favorite excursion. Mm -hmm. So the water park at the Atlantis Hotel uh, in the Bahamas, it's absolutely amazing. It's a little pricey. When we first did it in December of 2013, it was like 100, 120 bucks with lunch. And it's nearly doubled in price since then. It's in the $200 per person range. Yeah. So it is expensive. But if you have the means, I highly recommend it. That's a quote from Ferris Bueller. So I do, though. Um, and I think it is, it is worth the money if you can't afford it. I think Atlantis is one of the few places on the planet. It might be my favorite pl- place to be on the planet, that amusement park. Oh, wow. Or the water park is so great. The, it is the intense amazing. river uh, and, and the floaty uh, slides that go down and then up. Mm-hmm. mind-blowing the shark tank the that shark you get tank to go is great. Uh, on a floaty through or a body slide through um but the thing is is like you picture um things the way you see them on television sometimes and so i'd seen commercials for atlantis going back to 2006 probably makes me think of wheel of fortune every single time <laughs> <laughs> and uh and and you know i'd seen the pictures and you just imagine that in reality it's not going to quite match like mm-hmm. disneyland's pretty good but it's not is it's not quite as magical as it looks on tv there's no I actual tinkerbell reference. flying around you oh, know what? um and and so you go there and you have your expectations but you kind of know that they're not necessarily going to be fully met mm-hmm. and you're but you're not sure in what way uh and there's going to be long lineups is it whatever and so one of the things that for me was shocking is i i love water parks i've been to quite a few and so i often find that you have to wait for the inflatables mm. uh and so but wherever you go in atlantis there are towers of there these are, things yeah. anywhere near the intense river and it's amazing i use it like a transport network i'll grab a floaty hop on and it'll take me to the next slide <laughs> or base camp you know where my towel is or mm-hmm. Towels are plentiful, uh, lockers are plentiful, but those cost money. Uh, but the fact is, is that it's one of the few places uh, where the the commercials don't do it justice. And commercials always put things in the best light. If it's a hotel room, they're going to use that fisheye lens to make it look enormous. You know, yeah, yeah. a hotel pool, they do that kind of stuff. You get there and it's a little green. That yeah. water's not quite blue sometimes. And so you, we're kind of used to that. But this went in the other direction of being so much better. Uh, and I mean, of course, there are other things that we've discovered that are better than advertised. I think yeah. Carnival Cruises are actually one of those examples yeah. as 
well. Um, and so that's really, that's my favorite excursion. A uh, port on a whole is much harder to say because I don't actually like the port area in Nassau because uh, once you get outside of the secure perimeter, the panhandling yeah. and selling is super, super aggressive. It's almost Paris level aggressive. Yeah, so um, I would argue worse. I would argue worse than Paris. Uh, and so because of where you are, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just think in the way that they treat potential customers, I couldn't mm -hmm. take, I couldn't say how they deal with the law enforcement. Whereas Paris, I know that's really problematic. But um, yeah, so like I don't know for 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 cruise ports. Uh, the you know. the, the Cosbell one that we did the other day, or the last time we cruised, that uh, excursion was quite great. Sorry, which one? The Cosbell excursion that we did. Where we went to uh, Chuck, I don't know how to say it. Did Chuck it up? No, that's uh, that's in Washington. Oh no, oh, no, no, oh no. Uh, where am I confusing it with Costa Maya? I haven't edited those videos yet. But it was the other excursion we did on the June trip, right? Yes, exactly. And so that, that was one, quite nice. Yeah, that one was quite nice. We got to. Um, oh, and I love the the marina at El Cid in in Mazatlan. I really enjoy that as well. So mm. it's difficult to encapsulate an entire port because, like, I like Grand Turk because it's free. <laughs> you get five Grand Turk is super pretty, but it breaks me. So I don't like. You know, there are some sailings where I'm like, "Oh, that sailing looks really good." Oh, but it's got Grand Turk. And the first time I went to Grand Turk, I found out that hypothermia or no hyperthermia is a thing. Overheating instead of freezing, basically. Um, yeah, and that was our first. Ex it's like a that heat our, stroke. Yeah, no, it was beyond a heat stroke. It was it was unreal. It, it gives you flu-like symptoms. Oh yeah, it was it was brutal. Uh, I basically was like locked in my cat in our cabin for like two days straight. Our um, first ever cruise. First ever cruise, and that was our first stop. Um, and I had <laughs> nailed to it in of, one. Kind of had to like pull myself up by the for the by the bootstraps in order to make it to our next stop, which was uh, Ocho Rios. And my mom and I had pre-booked uh, something, and that's actually another really nice one. Um, mm -hmm. We mm -hmm. went to the Bob Marley Mausoleum, and that was fantastic. Yeah, and I um, did I did the uh, Jamaican bobsled, which mm -hmm. was fantastic in Mystic Mountain, and Sam uh, did Dunn's River Falls, which the video on that is amazing. I, I would that like is to on do my that, bucket but, list. But I know I would break myself again. Um, and then our... we'll get you in a bubble or something, yeah, right? Push you up the the falls. And then the, the <laughs> second time we went to, I don't it, think that's a thing. Don't no. get your hopes up. <laughs> Be cool though. Uh, the I second would do that. <laughs> the... or go the other go down in the yeah. Bottom, oh yeah, really. I'd pay like, so much money be... for that. Um, <laughs> and the second time we went to uh, Grand Turk, I managed to shatter the top of my foot um, uh, uh, at Margaritaville. So I'm concerned as to what would happen to me the next time we. I just I don't know that there's enough uh, health insurance in the world that would uh, cover me. Yeah. So anyways, uh, so favorite port is a really tough it question uh, because a port is a city and it has so many different things. And it mm -hmm. could take it could take a lifetime of cruising to try all the different excursions and really get a good feel for full in-depth 100% coverage of any particular port. So it's easier to answer favorite excursion. And so I think I we're think doing so, yeah. uh, there's something called the substitution effect. It's we're answering the easier question, yeah. which is what are our favorite excursions. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I mean, uh, well, I think city wise, I think Estonado like, is my favorite city wise. I, I do like the fact that it's walkable and there is the plentiful Wi-Fi, and so it's easy. You don't have to have a plan. You don't have to be, you know, I mean, you, you, there's people trying to sell to you and stuff, so you want to be a little bit, mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, you, want, you want to have your no gracias, you know, chambered, yeah. ready to say it a moment's Soy notice. Americano. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, know. it's, you know, and that's, that's part of why I also like Grand Turk as well for me personally is because, again, I can just walk. No one sells anything to you, really. Yeah, there is. There's virtually nothing. There's a little bit of like, hey, you want your hair braided on the beach. The the Grand Turk thing is uh, Grand Turk is unique to Carnival. They own they own the the, the wharf and the dock there, so uh, they're the only cruise ships that go to Grand Turk. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I think as a result, um, it's a little bit I don't know controlled. Yeah, I'm so. not sure if those are the right words, but so I do like I like the ports where I don't have to stress or think as much, and so mm -hmm. that definitely has uh, uh, some appeal as well because they're kind of welcoming in that regard. Yeah. It's a uh, Grand Turk actually is genuinely beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And hey, you know, if you don't like the port, you can stay on the ship and not have lineups. Exactly. And if you're on the right class of ship, you can just eat guys burgers all day. And you know what the heck? Why there you not? Go. Get, get a lounge chair on Lido where it's not competitive. And uh, and that's pretty fantastic. Um, thinking also about port, the reason I didn't mention Hawaii is because I struggle to say which port in Hawaii I would like the most. Hawaii. We've 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 cruised to Hawaii once. Mm -hmm. uh, and so there were the, the five different ports that we did there, if you count the final Honolulu port uh, as one of them. But uh, we didn't really we didn't do any excursions because I was um, basically on medical leave. Um, and so I was really, totally really well. uh, so I wasn't very well. I, I was pretty much told by my doctors, you go, but 
basically don't leave your balcony. Um, they're like, you know, it's good for your mental health to go, but uh, you know, don't strain yourself physically. So we we well, and be waiting not on to do... getting waited on hand and foot uh, versus exactly. then having to do at least a little for yourself at home is uh, possibly more restful yeah. uh, and and good for recovery. But uh, yeah, we didn't do a lot. So Kauai, we did enjoy because I found a free shuttle to a, a, a shopping mall that was right next to a free beach. Yeah. And that was really quite fun and lovely. Uh, wasn't complicated. Uh, shave ice is amazing. Sure, oh, love shave ice. Shave or shave? Shave. Okay. What's the, what's the difference? It's the fineness, the granularness. Okay. So shaved ice is like snow cones. Okay. And like Slurpees. Whereas okay. shave ice is that fine. Only available in Hawaii. Except, yeah, the, except no substitutions. Yeah, there's, there's, um, I <laughs> and, guess and it, they put, uh, you can get Dole Whip inside mm-hmm. of it. And sometimes, so, yeah. Some, I, I was in an argument with somebody the other day. It was Burton or somebody, and they were like, "What's your favorite like Hawaii thing to have?" And they were like, "Dole Whip." And I'm like, "Shave ice. It's a two in one. I get the Dole Whip inside it." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, I think it's like a. Um, I think it actually it was invented in Korea or China or something like that, or Taiwan, one of those three countries. And so there's <laughs> this is a, the completely there's a, unresearched podcast. Yeah. There's, so there's <laughs> we talk there's, from experience, not from research. <laughs> there's, so there's a version of it that you could get, um, like in Vancouver, for instance, but they have they pour like condensed milk all over it, and they and like mochi or green bean or sorry not green beans red bean jelly or whatever i haven't tried any of that stuff i've been told it's really good but for me i, I feel like but it's not in hawaii and that just <laughs> seems wrong and we're not necessarily in a rush to try everything uh, also i mean that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons i can't say what my favorite port is is because i want to leave myself a good reason to go back mm-hmm, or absolutely. something that i can do that's new or take advantage of if i were to go back you know without great intent a big part of how i save money and travel as much as i do is i don't pick a destination and shoot for that. Mm-hmm. I shoot for what the best cost and value is, lowest cost, best value. Uh, and then I see, oh, where's that going to take me? And oh, okay, I'm going back to Cozumel for time number six. What am I going to do? What have I left that I said to myself, I'll do that next time. And then, and, and so it's uh, always leave yourself something to look forward to, I think is a really good idea. Yeah, and the two or three times we've, we've broken that rule, they have been the more expensive cruises, really. Yeah, we paid for it every time. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I've been wanting to talk about on the podcast for a while, but it kept kind of getting pushed down by other things is just sort of, um, what's been going on with Puerto Rico. Um, yes. because, uh, I think that the, uh, the efforts to restore power and essential services have been painfully slow. Uh, Criminally slow. we've only been to Puerto Rico once. It was in 2015 on our sunshine sale where we went to San Juan. It was absolutely lovely. Yeah. And it was lovely. People were lovely. Uh, no pushy sales at all. None. Um, not not a bit. We took an excursion to a place called the Water Hotel, mm-hmm. which was really cool because they had the elevator inside that had running water, but behind glass, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in the elevator, that was unnecessarily awesome. Um, hey, we got to have drinks on the on the uh, rooftop. And yeah, yeah. My mom bought green me a drink. iguanas walking around everywhere. Yeah, and it was it was absolutely lovely, uh, and the beach was fantastic. And so we've only super been... salty though. Yeah, that's true. Uh, don't drink the salt water. <laughs> um, but one thing that I, I want to give a shout out to Carnival because uh, after Hurricane Maria happened and everything there, they I they wanted to get back to San Juan and Puerto Rico as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. And they were kind of pushing the envelope. They were pushing hard because they wanted to get back there. They were there because, within days, weren't they? Uh, well, for disaster relief, yes. Yeah. But then as a destination port, they were the first cruise line to return. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so they had some and videos about mile. that. Uh, yeah. And so uh, I think that showed uh, uh, bravery uh, and nobility of purpose on Carnival's part. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then they like they were the first to, I believe, report a ship there as a base, uh, as, as a home port. Yeah. And if you look at the cruise rates for the things sailing out of Puerto Rico, they are wicked cheap. Are. So that tells you Carnival's not doing this for just a profit motive, if indeed there's a profit motive at all. Uh, I think that Carnival is invested in puerto rico in a way that isn't dollars and cents yeah they're invested in their recovery and 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 in their success and so uh i think that's really fantastic i want to say thank you to carnival for what they've been doing for that i can't wait to get back to puerto rico uh one day and and get a better sense of it because we were only there for the one day uh but it's it's just interesting there are so many impacts uh from maria and not just in puerto rico of course but uh this topic is just sort of focused on that um for example uh i run a group of small youtubers it's called small youtubers boost and it's on facebook 
facebook.com forward slash small YouTubers boost. If you are a YouTuber looking for a place where you can get uh, ideas, questions, insights, support, mm -hmm. all that sort of thing. Um, but one of the things that we realized is that a bunch of the people who were in the group were in Puerto Rico. And so after Hurricane Maria passed through, they kind of went dark. They went silent right. for a while. And so like as a little bit of power was restored and a little bit of cell service, they would hop on and through their cell phone, they'd be like, I can't upload anything to YouTube. Their YouTube career, however serious or not serious it may have been to them or you might take it, mm -hmm. was completely interrupted. Yeah, and, and that is just one small sliver of the various impacts that wouldn't occur to people, I think. It didn't occur to me until I realized, like somebody mm -hmm. posted about it in my group, uh, that... that that puts so many lives on hold. I mean, it ended 3,000 lives for one thing. It did. Uh, but also just like those tiny little slivers, if you had an e-business, if you, what if you were doing distance ed? Are you able mm -hmm. to take, like, what, what accommodations might have been done about being able to write an exam or something? Yeah. Uh, you know, if you're doing University of Phoenix or something like that. Like, I can't even fathom. No how deep an impact that is um but the fact that uh carnival is doing everything that they could to get back as fast as possible to support them economically uh and honestly bring people there because again it's adding that third dimension to a person puerto rico is more than just the mayor it is more than just the people you Ooh, might see on the video by the way. uh yeah she's she's really quite impressive but it, it's it's more than any one person mm -hmm. uh and the people that are there there are all types yeah, and they, you know, and they are Americans, and and for a while it seems like some folks were forgetting that. But yeah. uh, as as Canadians, that has different meaning for us. But because uh, the fact is, they're people. Uh, so regardless of the label on them, they're important. And I think uh, Carnival is really to be commended for that. So just wanted to mention that. Yeah, I second that absolutely. So, uh, anyways, that's uh, we're probably gonna wrap it up there. Um, also, I just want to say a shout out to Cam B. He writes all of our music. So that intro music you hear at the beginning and the end of the podcast, mm -hmm. any of the original music you hear on our YouTube videos, he writes that. Uh, he writes about 95 percent of our original music. Mindy writes a couple of the other pieces we've used. Right is being generous. Uh, but <laughs> you you wrote some stuff we used in the Hawaii season uh, a couple of times, for example. Uh, I think the video with like the crab that dug a hole and stuff, <laughs> and and the, and the really creepy black crab that were jumping that's creeped me out i just screwed around with sound tap but okay but anyways Thank you. yeah and and so i we always acknowledge cam on the youtube channel but i actually mm -hmm. just want to take a moment here on the podcast to say thank you cam for writing the music for us we look forward to seeing what you come yeah, up with in the future amazing. uh and so you're gonna be hearing some of that at the end of this uh do make sure to follow us uh you can subscribe on your podcast platform of choice for this podcast so however you're listening to us now please subscribe we're and uh you know if if uh, you have a different platform we're on stitcher we're on itunes we're on podbean we are uh, we're on spotify now we're pretty much everywhere so uh google play google music uh, we're out there. So if you've got a thing that plays podcasts, uh, do please subscribe. If the platform allows you to leave a comment or a review, we'd appreciate that. Uh, good or bad, tell us the truth. We we do appreciate it. Let other people know uh, if there's something of merit here or not. Mm -hmm. uh, and also one of our biggest endeavors, how we got started on this whole thing, is YouTube. YouTube.com forward slash vacation impossible. We'll be putting approximately nine clips from this podcast up on YouTube. It's normally what we do. We pick nine little snippets, put it on YouTube. But, of course, you audio listeners get the full show, and it's the only place you get the full show. Uh, so do please subscribe, like, comment, uh, and share those videos. Uh, on Twitter, we are at VacayImpossible. You can find us there. You can email us, team at vacationimpossible.ca. You can submit your questions or topic ideas or just give us feedback on the show. We appreciate that. And we, What are we on Instagram? We're Vacation Impossible on Instagram. We're Vacation Impossible on Flickr. We're on Vero. If you haven't even heard of that, it's a relatively new social media platform. It's spelled V-E-R-O. Uh, you know, we're on Facebook, facebook.com for slash Vacation Impossible. You know, like, who who else is still on Flickr? I don't know, but we are. Uh, <laughs> we've got a Snapchat, but we don't know how to use it, so... Um... We're above the age of 30. I don't, <laughs> I don't know that there's many people above the age of 30 that don't know how to use Snapchat. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. Vero, this new thing, I find way more um, user-friendly than Snapchat. Snapchat isn't very intuitive. Mm -hmm. uh, we also have a blog, which recently I've been writing a bit more for, so we're trying to get that going again, and that's on Tumblr, vacationimpossible.tumblr.com. So suffice to say, we're pretty much anywhere if we're not where you, you want us to be send us that email and let us know <laughs> yeah, we'll and we'll do it. we'll do our best to get up on it but um yeah that's uh, i think that wraps it up for this first portland retro gaming expo uh podcast i, I did pick up two games uh, uh for someone back home i picked up tetrasphere on the n64 and i picked up pinbot uh for the nes for myself 
it was three dollars i couldn't say no uh, i didn't cost more on virtual console when i bought it <laughs> there um but i had to get something while i was here i got to meet pat country again which is fantastic uh get his autograph and stuff like that on some things so uh this has been a whole lot of fun it has and uh yeah we're gonna go uh, sleep off our food comas from red yes. lobster now so uh thanks very much for listening Bye.